It's weird to bet on week one sports. Like as bad as I want to <sighs> bet hammer NFL this week, it's kind of like, mm, let's, let's get a feel. Let's see mm. these teams play week two through 17. We'll have some fun. Oh, you're smart know. for that, but I, I can't <laughs> not do it. I have to, I'll probably uh, mess around with teasers still, but like the players I'm, I'm going to try. To stay oh, I see. I'm I'm still not on your boat. I still can't yeah. get on the player props. I just I'm not good enough with it. I just I love hammering like spreads and over unders. But yeah, I was wanting to bet Amon Ross St. Brown <laughs> Thursday night, but me and Branson were talking earlier when we played golf, and he I think his line's like seventy, like sixty nine and a half, and that's such a that's a right in the sweet spot of a tough line. So <laughs> sometimes, I don't know do. sometimes they nail that line. Just <laughs> yeah. Perfect. It's like, like well, bastards. 70 is not that many for him, but it's kind of a lot at the same time. Yeah. So. Well, for an over under too, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, he's going to be right in there more than likely, unless he yeah. breaks one big, which yeah, could happen. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think the worst game I had was I, uh, Northwestern Rutgers, which Northwestern's just an absolute train wreck. Yeah, Rutgers like ran through them. Yeah, Northwestern's the one, the program that got all those bullying accusations and hazing <sighs> accusations. So the Pat Fitzgerald, who'd been like the their coach forever, uh-huh. got fired. Oh. I mean, he was the entire lifeblood of that program. But I was like, okay, it's still Rutgers. <laughs> and they're a six yeah. and a half point favorite. I said, I'll believe it when I see it. So I took yeah. Northwestern against my better judgment. And then midway through the game, one of my dad's friends was like, yo, it's 17 nothing Rutgers. They got the ball back just now. The live line is Rutgers minus 20 and a half. That might be good. Mm-hmm. So me, he had me put double on it for both oh. of us. Oh, boy. 30 seconds left in the game, Dominic. Northwestern scores a touchdown. 24-7 Rutgers final score. That's pain. Yeah. That there pain. was a couple others. They just – Bowling Green, I took plus nine and a half. They were covering they like most of the game, and they lost by ten. I mean, yeah. Talon's yeah. down apparently. Against but, freaking know. Liberty. <laughs> I did hit uh, – I live bet Minnesota at plus 110 when oh, the okay. second half had just started. And Nebraska took the lead. They flipped to plus odds for Minnesota. And I'm like, eh, I mean, come on here. We got a whole half to play. I mean, I know they just scored, but damn. I mean, it didn't come easy, though. It, it took a game-winning field goal with time expiring. But that was a fun one to watch play out a little bit. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Show recap edition once again. We are here to go over UFC Paris, where Surreal Gone once again gets back on track in Paris, puts on another great performance, this time against Sergei Spivak. Dominic said it was another masterclass for him. Obviously, he forgot our discussion the last time <laughs> uh, Surreal Gone uh, went against Taitui Vasa. I did not declare that a masterclass, but apparently uh, our, our below average Twitter What's the like disclaimer? The thoughts and opinions of the below average Joe's Twitter is not necessarily of my own. There, there we yeah. go. There's a yeah. little disclaimer. Um, also, you had Manon Fior get a big win over Rose Namajunas. We will talk about both of those, and we'll kind of give you know maybe one undercard fight that stood out. You know, fight performance, what have you. But mm-hmm. Dominic, how are you doing? A lot going on this weekend for myself. That's why this is coming out late. 
Shout out to my dad. He did get married this weekend. Mm. So Big Todd, single no more. Sorry, ladies. That's right. <laughs> but uh, it was good. It was a good wedding. But I, because of that, it was a little hard to catch all the fights. I tried sure. to catch up. I, you know, Of course, I watched those top two after the fact. But I, I did catch a few of the prelims. But um, I was following my long shot parlay. And we'll talk <laughs> about that. That does not coincide with blazing bets but the result feels very similar so dominic how are you doing this week how was it it was good it was a good week good weekend busy weekend a long weekend though right you got some family time i got some family time that's always fun i know noah loves coming home and seeing the fam celebrating mm -hmm. the one and only todd father i'm so happy for him um but it was a good weekend we finished it off strong celebrated my aunt's birthday today now we're in the studio it's going to be a good week as we settle on down into the halfway, or I guess the first full week of September. And come this weekend, we're heading back to Australia for another pay-per-view. So it's going to be a fun week. No, it starts right here, right now. Let's rock and roll. Let's do it. So in your main event, Dominic, so real gone, like I said at the top, gets the dominant second-round TKO over Sergei Spivak. He sends the fans home happy in Paris. There was a lot of talk going into this fight, Dominic, about the wrestling prowess yeah. of the polar bear, Sergei Spivak, and the limitations that Cyril Gunn had showed in that department in his two biggest opportunities to date with John Jones and Francis Ngannou. Me and you were adamantly on that line for <laughs> Cyril Gunn. We were very much probably two of the loudest people I saw around in his corner. Mm -hmm. It's got to feel pretty good, right? Feels like we kind of nailed one for once. Yeah, yeah, it feels good. You know, both of us putting two units down on the man. We were confident, and uh, he came through and delivered. He looked amazing. That's quite a way to bounce back after a rough outing in March, losing to John for the title. It's a good way to reinsert himself right back into the mix, right back into all of those prominent names in the title discussion right now. The title fight going down, of course, in two and a half months in November. So it was a good performance. He looked great. Really never even was threatened with anything. I The striking differential was like, 109 to 11 or it was something really crazy it was some sort of record for main events at heavyweight so it, that really paints a picture of how dominant this was didn't get taken down really sergey never even closed the distance that much like it was all surreal gone for eight minutes and 44 seconds so it was a great performance it's good to see him back on track i believe spivak still has a relatively bright future i don't know how high he can climb but i still think he's a threat to the heavyweight division for some of these guys but surreal gone proves he can get past this test. He kind of is uh, in lingo here. I'm sure we'll get into that. But what did you make of the performance? Is this kind of, you know, we were high on him. We bet on him. We put the money where the mouth is. Was this the performance you anticipated hindsight now? Yeah, I, I think so. I mm -hmm. I thought there could have been some room for Spivak to at least show a little bit more in this mm -hmm. fight. I wasn't sure if Gon would neutralize all of the takedown attempts. Um, but I knew if he did. And the longer this fight stood standing, it was bad news for yeah. uh, Spivak because nobody can really hang with Surreal Gone on the feet. Mm. Um, I would say what you will about the John Jones fight, but John Jones took him down immediately. Yeah. Not saying that he couldn't hang with him on the feet. I'm just saying right. you don't know. Francis Ngannou had to resort to a wrestling heavy game plan in the later rounds to win that fight. Surreal Gone is the absolute best that heavyweight has to offer. Mm -hmm. in terms of striking we may have been wrong in some ways on surreal gone but it definitely kind of uh, 
this this fight is definitely a very it's it's the it's not necessarily like a oh it answered a ton of questions for because for us it feels like we kind of figured this was how this would go mm-hmm. but we can let we can let out like a deep breath you know that's sort of what this fight is for any surreal gone fan for surreal gone himself because if he had lost this fight and I, I know Sergey Spivak has done pretty well for himself over the last couple of years, but he you would have been looking at a much different discussion here if, oh, yeah. if Cyril Ghosn had lost. And for him to go in there and dominate the way he did and make it look like he was just another level above a guy who was really nipping at his heels in terms of the ranking spots, it's definitely like, uh, okay, we can all take a deep breath and be like, Srogan's still here. Yeah. Do I know for sure if, like, moving on from this, if he can get past some of these other guys he's yet to fight, who he probably will if he's going to fight for a title, Tom Aspinall, uh, Mm -hmm. Sergey Pavlovich? No. But as it stands right now, he's clearly one of the top five best heavyweights in the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think the – if you want to say he's the fifth, I think the gap from him – on down is pretty steep at this yeah. point. So mm-hmm. for him, he's looking ahead to one of those guys. I think the most likely option, it was the one talked about going in, is Tom Aspinall. Does that the fight you are anticipating we get next? Oh, I sure hope so. I, I really do. I know they asked him about it directly, <laughs> and he kind of just said he wants gold around his waist. He wants the title, and I get that. You kind of got to say that. But, again, I, I just feel so – I don't know. I can't feel too confident, but Pavlovich is that backup fighter for November, right? We just kind of don't know what Stipe and John are going to do, but I would love Tom and Surreal to duke it out, kind of really solidify a legit number one contender. And then in that case, if Stipe and John both do hang up the gloves, Pavlovich has, all right, here's the next guy that's going to dance with me for the vacant belt. So that's what I want selfishly. I think we could even dare I say, get that in by the end of the year, maybe in December. I mean, neither one of the guys took any amount of damage in their last mm-hmm. two fights. Their schedules a line up. So I sure hope so. I think, I'll say it, I, I do think that's what we will get. I think they'll get gone on board. Aspinall obviously wants it. It's real gone. Tom Aspinall, that's next. By the end of the year, I feel based, pretty confident. Yeah, based off the way the fights are laid out right now, Yeah, I don't see any other route here because yeah. – Assuming that John Jones and Stipe Miocic do fight in November, the winner of that, if it's John Jones, there's maybe a chance we could see him try to defend against Pavlovich next year. Mm-hmm. If it's Stipe, I tend to believe Stipe is going to retire. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. If either guy retires, if either guy continues on, I think even Tom Aspinall is sort of he he's not necessarily gunning for the title shot. I think, I think he really does that, want one more. He know? does. And I think because of that, Pavlovich is going to get that edge and in, in, yeah. in being the, the third guy right now, to being the next guy up. And I think the winner of a Tom Aspinall's surreal gown fight would be the perfect setup for your next vacant title fight or maybe the, the winner of Stipe John Jones versus mm-hmm. Pavlovich. I know there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts yeah. there, but – yeah, they're both in good spots. Um, that is going to be another interesting fight for Cyril Gunn, oh, though, Dominic, yeah. because you have been very high on Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall, dare I say, took some of the shine for you from uh, what you once mm-hmm. had with Cyril Gunn. 
especially mm-hmm. at the heavyweight division. Some of the compliments we gave Surreal Gone, maybe Tom Aspinall has actually come around and shown us more yeah. in terms of being a very well-rounded heavyweight and all this stuff that we threw praise at Gone for being. Sure. How do you kind of view that matchup right now? You know, Man. does that is that a fight that you feel like when it comes time you're highly favoring Tom Aspinall? I mean, maybe do you want to throw out some betting lines that you could see for that? Oh my gosh, dude! Yeah. T- to me, I'm not Vegas, but if if it's me, that's a dead even pick of if I've ever seen one. I think okay. that's a tough fight. On the feet, they're both so much more than a lot of the other heavyweights. Quick, athletic, light, fast, precise. Like, and then. You get into that grappling side where, you know, we've seen Surreal show offensive grappling. The holes have been defensive. Tom, we haven't got to see, like, really a ton of anything, but we've seen a little here and there, right? He submitted Andre Arlovsky. So there are so many just beautiful things about that stylistically. I'm going dead even pick them. I can't lean either which way. That would be one of the more anticipated fights for me as a fan in quite some time, especially for the heavyweight division, man, like two guys mm-hmm. that I've backed and really enjoy watching step in there at the same time. That's, that's an incredible, incredible heavyweight, high level heavyweight fight. Yeah. I mean, I love John Jones, Stipe. Like I love it for the legacy factor and mm-hmm. whatnot. I might be kind of on an Island. I know some of the more hardcore fans kind of roll their eyes at that fight. Mm-hmm. I will admit though, a fight like Aspinall gone feels more at least somewhat more of a true indicator of the kind of quality that heavyweight has to offer for like the title level right now. And the John Jones, it, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I say that and I know John Jones dominated surreal God. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I guess that maybe sh- makes me shows that I just think Stipe is just not what he once was. And I, mm-hmm. that, we, we haven't really seen that for sure, but it's just hard to imagine he's going to come back and fight at the same caliber he was four years ago yeah, or even before that. So, yeah, I think it's an awesome fight. And I will say, though, like the, the line history with Cyril Gone is truly interesting because he was basically in a dead even pick with John Jones. Yeah. yeah. Even a slight favorite. I do seem to remember. I could be wrong. Yeah. But it was at least a pick him. Mm-hmm. Then he was only a minus like 160 against yeah. Sergey Spivak. Like going in, if, the, if, the, if this past weekend he had been fighting Tom Aspinall instead of Sergey Spivak, I mean, what are we looking at, Dominic? Uh, are we saying, I mean, Gon's probably what, a plus 180, plus 170? Yeah. If, if that was this past weekend, Tom coming off the win and Gon coming in off a loss, yes, I'd say plus 160 ish. Mm hmm. So, so how much are they going to move it right. in Gon's favor based off of that win against Spivak? Because mm-hmm. to me, it didn't do a whole it, – like, it, like, it's a great win. He looked great there. It's glad to see he could bounce back from such a tough loss. But I don't know how other people who maybe weren't as high on Gon or thought Spivak might have him in that matchup. I'm not sure how they're feeling about it. Mm-hmm. I'm still gonna say God comes in around a plus one forty, plus one thirty-five. Okay, okay, yeah, I can see. If anyone is the favorite, I do think it would be Tom. I, I think yeah. for some reason the young up-and-coming guy. You know, I, I feel like that would be the favorite if I had to guess. Well, even if you're looking at skill sets, I mean, I know Gone 
is a motherfucker on the feed. I just said that. <laughs> I I think Tom Aspinall is just more well-rounded. And yeah, um, at least what we've seen, right? I I would agree. Very yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for all we know, Gon could show us a bunch there as well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's definitely an intriguing fight, though. I have no idea how I would bet that uh, right now as it stands. But uh, for Sergey Spivak, anything you kind of want to add for him? I mean, this is. Felt like this was kind of his moment here to to really catapult him into a discussion that many probably didn't see for him. Maybe even get mm-hmm. a rematch with Aspinall, which is one of his tough losses he's sustained in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, you seem to think that the future is somewhat bright. I don't know if I'm as optimistic. I feel like, yes, he does have that style that makes him, you know, a guy that depending on the matchup could do well against guys that have Mm -hmm. been around the top of heavyweight for a while. And, but I think more often you might see him have performances at least somewhat like this. Like, I don't think he does very well against like an Alexander Volkov, like truthfully, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just, I'm, I'm not, I've never been, I guess all that high on speed. And I just, I think this was his peak. Yeah. I would say that's about right. I think him against the Aspinalls, the Gons, Pavlovich, if he ever would have got a John Jones fight, I think he comes out on the losing side. But like we've seen against Derek Lewis, or if he fought like, you know, a Tybura, I think they even Tai-tui fought in the Vasa. past. Tai Vasa, you know, things like that. I think he can win. But the legitimate next future title challengers is where he loses. And therefore, it's hard to really look at him past a number seven in the world. Mm. Seems like it sets him up nicely to fight the loser of Tui Vasa Volkov, though. Yeah. Fresh <laughs> matchup. That timing, right? <laughs> Fresh matchup. So, yeah. Uh, with that, Dominic, let's talk about that co main event. Okay. Very interesting this one was going in. You had the two time strawweight champion, Rose Namiunas, returning from what was an over one year layoff. Mm-hmm. She had lost her title to Carlos Sparza in what was one of the more puzzling performances and fights we had seen really ever yeah. in the UFC. There's always been this kind of question mark of, you know, how much Rose really wants to be fighting, how much mm-hmm. she, she loves it. You know, is the, there's the question I kind of raised of is she's, she's more comfortable trying to chase the belt than she is when she's actually the champion. Sure. Uh, but now she was going up 10 pounds. She's going up to a new weight class. So that opened up a whole flood of it questions that you could yes. have for how she would look in that environment. She goes up against Manon Fior, who is no slouch, a top five women's flyweight. Mm-hmm. She does lose a unanimous decision. Overall, how do you think she looked at 125 pounds? <sighs> Manon was big. Um, Manon was pretty significantly larger. But she didn't look bad, you know? I mean, she still looked like Rose. She looked good on the feet, slick, quick. But Manon was just so much more impactful with the shot, so much stronger, and was really able to even outnumber her uh, in that striking department. So she didn't look better than I expected, but she didn't necessarily look worse than I expected. She just looked like Rose 10 pounds heavier, even though her physique literally to me, looked like the exact same. She looked like she was a strawweight in there. So it really kind of weird vibes, and now I don't know what she does, if she stays at 125 or not. This is going to be interesting to see how her mindset will be. I know she had that fucked-up-looking pinky. That didn't look very good, and that happened in the first round, but I I felt it was just a very 
good performance from Manon. Not necessarily bad for Rose. Hmm. I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed by like both parties here, if I'm being truthful. Like on paper, this is a great win for Manon. Like it is. Yeah. I mean, you're going up against the former champion. Doesn't matter if it's a weight class lower. Yeah. It's Rose Namajunas. She's one of the best women's fighters ever. Yeah. And you pretty cleanly win this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, yeah, when Manon landed, she did land. It seemed more impactful shots, but. For someone who we've talked about as being this great striker and whatnot, mm-hmm. is it just me or did her striking look a little sloppy sometimes here? Um, mm-hmm. Man, again, or, I mean, do you disagree or are you just not wanting to go that far? I, I don't know. Like sloppy, probably not, but it wasn't the karate like, wow, this all-encompassing striker that we really we've not even seen that version of her since. Tabitha Ricci, the wins have yeah. gotten harder and harder the higher yeah. the competition has No, gone. it's true. It's it's just this fight definitely stood out like since this fight where it was fought for the majority of it, it just seemed like some of the the technical side of Manon's game that I thought was going to be there wasn't. Mm-hmm. But since she seemed to have a size and power advantage, it seemed like she was able to keep Rose off of her for the majority of the 15 minutes. But then for Rose, I felt like uh, it maybe the finger played a part in this, but not, she didn't really mix it up the way I thought she would. No. Um, It seemed like she simply was okay with kind of fighting at Manon's pace, Mm -hmm. fighting Manon's Mm -hmm. game and being just a half step behind her. That's the way this went for 15 minutes. Obviously I bet on Rose so, of course, I'm a little more disappointed in what I saw from her. Like, she didn't look bad. Like, you're kind of right. Like, neither one of them looked bad. Mm-hmm. But I think I expected more from almost both of them coming in. Like, I yeah. just thought okay. what we had seen. If Manon was going to come in here, I mean, Dominic, the poll on Twitter that you put of who's yeah. next for the title challenger, dead even. Dead even. Manon Fior and Aaron Blanchfield. Yeah. I think it's crazy. That people think I was a Manon bit should get a title fight over Aaron Blanchfield after watching this fight. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I'm not saying it's like this terrible looking win, mm-hmm. but to me, this shows Manon needs another one. I think Aaron Blanchfield has shown a lot more in her wins than what Manon Fiore has shown up to this point in hers. Especially and when you look at the higher level competition, right? I think yeah, I mean, Rose is definitely a big win, but it's just someone who has not fought at this weight class. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, what you just said too, even besides that, Tyler Santos, Jessica Andrade, yeah. even Molly McCann, I guess, like seems a little bit stronger anyway. Right, um, right. But do you want to give kind of your take on or what kind of side of the – aisle you're on if it's Manon if it's Aaron who gets the next title shot if I had to pick right now Eileen Aaron and you know the only really now we just wait we wait a week and a half we get mm-hmm. the rematch between Grasa and Valentina Valentina wins likely run back a trilogy I think you do Manon and Aaron at that point but only mm-hmm. if Alexa wins, though, and stays the champ. I think Aaron needs to be in, and then Manon can even fight Valentina or, you know, fight somebody else on the up-and-coming. They're going to keep coming at 125 pounds right now, but if I'm picking one, it's Aaron. Better looking against the higher-quality opponents 
I think that matters right now when they're like neck and neck, essentially. Yeah, that's definitely fair. We've been kind of hitting that home, like the idea, well, Valentina could very likely win. I mean, she's favored to beat Grasso. Yes, yeah. And if she does, you know, the whole trilogy aspect is there. But is that a guarantee? Like, is it really guaranteed that Grasso would get that trilogy or does it have to be a very close fight? Like, if Valentina goes in there and – finishes Grasso do you really run a trilogy because that didn't happen with Nunez and that's Alpena. true that's a good question that's true especially when um, you have such interesting challenges right yeah. there with Blanchfield with Manon feels like you kind of move on from that whole trilogy talk yeah I think unless it is tight very razor thin you're probably right I think a decisive finish by Valentina would call the next up-and-comer yeah, and that kind of keeps the division moving too. Yeah, but you, I mean, it very well if it's a very close fight, which I foresee it kind of being pretty close this time around. I think it's going to be pretty neck and neck. Um, I kind of lean Alexa again, but that, you know, we'll talk about that next. <laughs> well, the fact that she's an underdog, you kind of kind of makes you want to mm-hmm. hammer it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she won the first fight, right? You know, that yeah. was one of my biggest hits of the year. So, you yeah. Know me, I'm over here like all about it. But I, I guess. Another interesting angle, Dominic, is, uh, you know, Rose was in this position and we thought if Rose won, you know, it was really going to be an interesting wrinkle to how she uh-huh. would fit into maybe surpassing Aaron Blanchfield and fighting for a title. Mm-hmm. But now that she's lost, what do you think is next for her? Because it seems like every time we are in this position with Rose where she's lost, it's a whole lot of we don't know what's next for Rose. Yeah. You know, this may be a little bit too little too late because you're an advocate of this type of matchup that I'm about to say, but is now the time we do the trilogy with her and Jessica Andrade? Yeah, They're both I'm... on the skids, flip-flopping in between weight classes, but they're the same two. I think if she's going to fight again, you do the trilogy with Jessica. You know I want that. I love it. I do. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I just don't think there's anything to it anymore. I don't yes. think... Yeah. I think the skid for Andrade, she has to work her way back up. Mm -hmm. Um, Rose is still, like, can carry her own. Like, I don't think this loss is going to hurt her too much. Andrade, unfortunately, I feel like her her stock has just plummeted this Mm -hmm. this year, which is so – it makes me so sad because Mm – She's just a dog, man. She's too she's too uh, she's too much into it for her own good, David. Yes. Yeah. Um, but what I think we could see next, because I think the majority of people, the the take was, you know, we kind of just prefer Rose at 115 pounds. After but seeing was, the size. Yeah, yeah. There was an interesting note though in the post-fight press conference from Rose uh when she was asked. And I'm just gonna say if Valentina Shevchenko loses to Lexa Grasso, I think that's the fight that they might want to do next. Valentina Ooh. Shevchenko versus Rose Namajunas, because what fight is bigger for either of those two as they move yeah. forward? Damn, if they both fun. are coming off losses, mm. those are two uh, legends of women's MMA. It seems that's like great. that's the right time if you're not gonna have them because I think Rose was sort of there if she had won and Valentina had won. Yeah. I feel like that was the fight you were getting next. Yeah. Mm, I and like now, that. If they both lose, why not do that as like a big feature bout on a pay-per-view or a mm-hmm. fight night headliner somewhere? Yeah. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Um, all right. So with that, Dominic, I was not going to have this on the show today because I was like, you know what? We just got to get through it because I, we got college football. You know, we got Duke and Clemson. 
But it wouldn't be right because the last time we talked about it, I won. So blazing bets. Dominic has picked up a win. He refuses to go away. Uh, what is the series standing at right now? Nine to seven. Nine, Nine to seven, seven. Noah. So what was the final tallies? I don't know if you you probably didn't keep up with mine. I don't remember what mine was. I assuming I did the math right. Plus one point eight eight for me, minus one point eight zero for you, or something yeah. like that. So in the dub column, I can never. For the life of me, string together multiple wins in a row. That's the problem I have to succumb mm. to uh, next. The next mountain I have to climb. It was a decent week. Hard card to bet. We both only had four bets uh, for Blazing Bets yeah. this week. A lot of debutants. A lot of just kind of unknowns. And you know, I had liens in my head, but I wasn't confident enough to play them. So I mean, all in all, went pretty good. We both hit two units, obviously on gone. I kind of got a. Uh, suckered in a little to uh Lochran and his little hype and flipping off the crowd and eight no all these finishes against uh Lapalus. I bet on it. I regretted it. Wasn't very good performance. So you know that kind of sucks there taking a chance on the dog that was making his debut. But other than that, good week the heavy money line parlay hits and William Gomez to win in round two hits. So all in all good week. Not a huge plus unit week, but it was a small place, small slate. I'll take it. Well, I'm glad you'll take it, Dominic, because any positive week should be a good one. <laughs> because I can tell you on the other end that this sucks. Uh, four bets, Been one there. and three. I mean, hey, the only the two unit part, uh, two unit money line on Sorogan, the only one that hits. Unfortunately, Dominic also had that, so mm. knew I was in trouble when I saw the result. I was like, mm, I haven't even seen Dom's bets, but I knew he had that one. So yeah. <laughs> Assuming he hits one other thing, I think yeah, he's right. uh, doing pretty good. Um, I did all money lines, so I knew this was going to be a weird one because this is mm -hmm. just not my type of uh, card. Yeah. Not a ton of betting opportunity, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, Bogdan Guskov, just a bad, just bad bet. Just bad. You know, you just shouldn't bet. Like, when you – Vulcan Uzdemir is a decent – he's a guy who's fought for a title. He is a decent light heavyweight. He is. He is. I knew not a single damn thing about Bogdan Guskov. <laughs> <laughs> and he cost me more money this weekend than I would like to admit. Mm -hmm. I lose the money line pick on him. He was the only leg that lost oh. of, my, of my can of the uh long shot oh, parlay. No. I didn't realize that. But he was the uh, he was the biggest underdog. Like got he was the only underdog I had on there as well. So like he obviously mm -hmm. carried those odds up to where yeah. they were. It was only six leg parlay. Mm-hmm. You know, do I wish I could have gone back and done it a little different? Yeah, but then, like, you know, I took a shot on our boy Reese McKee because I'm like, yeah. okay, he's back. He's now a Cage Warriors champion. Anglos is a tough test, but I feel like he can do it. That fight was an absolute war. He went down uh, swinging, dude. Know, he almost was, got that for you. I that was that happened right before I had to give like the toast, and I was <laughs> um, I, I was struggling because I had like holding kind of, in. The, yeah. I was like, I was like, can we pause the toast for like two minutes, please? <laughs> Um, no, but yeah, tough week, but I mean, it is what it is. I made quite a bit on college football this weekend, so I, I still walk away, you know, with my head held high. And hey, pay-per-view card and all in Australia, I don't think the card necessarily gets easier from a betting perspective. A lot no. of still like, you know, younger, newer talent no, yeah. on this card too. It's going to take some digging. 
Yeah, and I think the the another factor with this card is there was just so much shakeup in the week of like we were losing yeah. fights, there were mm-hmm. fights exchanging opponents. It just yeah. I, it was hard for me to dig into like part. I wish I would have taken some of the legs from my like long shot parlay and actually had them on the bet slip like as I'll a put it parlay. Together. Yeah, I just I was sort of mined back home, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna blame the wedding for why I lost this week. Thanks, Todd. <laughs> Send me back some of that money I gave you for your wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, with that, Dominic, let's go to the final segment of the day. The only segment we know how to end this show on, a little segment we like to call Closing Statements. Part of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything, uh-huh. MMA related or not. So, Dominic, do you have any closing statements? Uh, a little late uh, midweek here. Sure. So, sure. Any, any for the midweek folks? I'm going to hit you with a question, midweek folks, and midweek Noah. I'm going to start calling Noah midweek Noah when I talk mm. to him in the middle of the week. Um, NFL, it's back. Come through. I love college football. Don't get me wrong. But it's hard for me to follow a lot of these schools. But NFL, I'm in it. Every fucking team. All the players. Shout out to fantasy football for keeping me engaged as much as I am. Lions, Chiefs, fun high-scoring affair on paper, I think, to kick the year off on Thursday Night Football. Noah, I'm looking at you and I'm asking you, who's winning? the very first football game of the year, and give me, just for funsies, a score prediction. Lions versus Chiefs. What's this spread? I believe I saw Chiefs minus six and a half last time I looked. So, and do you know what the over-under is? 54 and a half, give or take. I think it's around Okay, there. so this might surprise you, but I think I like the under for it. Uh, first mm-hmm. game of the year, primetime spot. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to be expecting that over to be mm-hmm. coming through pretty because mm-hmm. two high scoring teams, but early the primetime games they tend to go under. So, mm, yeah, immediately I like the under, and that kind of makes me lean Lions on the spread, but I'm not going to take it. I'm just going to go with the under score prediction. Well, I'm going under 54 and a half, so I better sure. not make a score. That Crunch is, the numbers here. Um, let's go. I'm going to go 24 to 14 Chiefs. Okay. Okay. I got you. We were almost in a similar boat. I went Chiefs, but I took it up 10 points each, 34-24 Chiefs. So I guess I'm hitting over and Chiefs covering in that prediction there. Exactly. So I'm going to ask you another NFL question for mine, Mm -hmm. a little bit of betting here. Mm Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do each season, especially after what I've seen the last couple of years, is put something at the beginning of the year on a long shot to win the Super Bowl. Oh. Um, two years ago, you had the Cincinnati Bengals come from a team that had not – that basically they put Burrow second year. He'd come off the ACL injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They go on the Super Bowl run. I can't remember what their odds were that year, but it was probably insane. Mm-hmm. Then last year, the Philadelphia Eagles, a team nobody thought was going to be the best team in the league, come out and get all the way to the Super Bowl. Neither team wins. Sure. Heavy Super Bowl underdogs there. Uh, what what team, if there was a team, and I know you don't necessarily know the odds for all of them, but I'm sure based off of just knowing what teams would probably be up there, you could probably mm-hmm. – is there like a Super Bowl long shot that you're kind of thinking could be a decent play? Who could be a long shot? <laughs> I'm a little bit too hesitant on the Jets. I got to kind of see them first. A lot of people are high on the Jets. 
I am going to let you know if the, if you do take a certain team, I will judge. I'm going to say I still think there's a world, and I know it's hard because they're division. I'm going to go long shot for fun right now, not knowing the odds, on the Chargers. I really like Justin Herbert. I love mm. Austin Eckler. Keenan Allen on one side. Mike Williams on another. They stay healthy. It's a very dangerous offense. you got Joey Bosa on the defensive end. I think Herbert is a very legitimate franchise QB. He gets one eventually. I'm going to call them my long shot right now. L.A. Chargers. Man, I've been on, I've tried to, every year. I feel like I've been high on the Chargers, and they always disappoint. Yeah, yeah. you just you you haven't been hurt enough by them. They yet, can't turn the corner, right? So here's my thing, right? The one that is the the biggest one for me is hard for me to use it because I think the AFC is such a loaded conference. Oh, dude. Yeah. So like you said, the Chargers, right? Obviously, yeah. the, the favorites, you got the Chiefs, the Bengals, mm-hmm. the Bills. Mm-hmm. The Jets now seem to be a team that everybody yeah. loves. Elliot, I mean, the Ravens are, are in that discussion as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. a very solid team. I like the Jaguars. Dude, yes. 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 The Jaguars have that makeup of the team yes. that – they're already kind of a step ahead because last year they had that huge comeback against those Chargers in the mm-hmm, wild card mm-hmm. game. They got the their star quarterback of the future, Trevor Lawrence. Dude, Trevor leveled up last year. This could be – I think he's due for another level up where this could be the year that they go on a huge run. Uh-huh. don't know if defensively they'll be strong enough. They seem like a team – I'll put it like this, Dominic. If there was like – a I, I could see them finishing number one seed in the AFC. And you have to consider the division they're in. Like, yeah. I mm-hmm. don't love the Titans this year. No. And the Colts and Texans are still on oh, yeah. work in I mean, reclamation. On projects, paper, they right? run away with that division, honestly. Like, <laughs> like, I know that division, it's always kind of weird. Like, the yeah. good teams lose to the bad ones and stuff. But I could see the Jaguars legitimately going like 13 and four. Yeah. Yeah. Just because they, they, I mean, their division schedule is not going to be giving them those tough tests. You add Calvin Ridley to the mix. That dude, man, I think people yeah. forget he's a legit, like, no, very good wide receiver. If he's healthy, stays out of trouble. I, Trevor Lawrence, I, at one of our fantasy drafts, a couple people were even saying maybe Trevor Lawrence sneaks in the MVP discussions yeah, this no, year. I so. 100% think that's in play. Yeah. Um, I did not love where Calvin Ridley was getting drafted at in fantasy, by the way, though. Like, you're taking him yeah. in the second round. I was seeing yeah. that. I'm like, dude, that's crazy. I was too hesitant, yeah. Um, however, since the AFC is such a dogfight, I was trying to find someone on the NFC side that I felt like had some value. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the team that I kept going to, Dominic, was the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. But Dominic, on DraftKings, they have like the eighth best odds to win the Super Bowl. Do they really? Which is fucking nuts to me. I because to me, like if you're trying to think of a team that's like a long shot to win a Super Bowl, the Dallas Cowboys are just I mean, they're just perennial long shots yeah. to have anything go their way in the playoffs. Always. But they have such a good team on paper that the market won't allow you to just like take yeah. a shot on them and, and hope that they break through. Cause this is obviously Dak Prescott. If he's a nut up or shut up year, they traded for Trey Lance. Not sure yeah. if that'll ever amount to anything, but you know, it's a it's a storyline that the you know talking heads on ESPN will be doing throughout the season when he has mm-hmm. bad games and stuff. Pressure's on. They have the 
they, but they, but when you look at other NFC teams, like it's hard to have that kind of pick. The only other one I could come up with, and it's a big if, but I'm rooting for the guy to go to do it two years in a row. Seattle Seahawks, baby. Geno Smith wins the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. Geno Smith, come on, listen, dude. Their offense only got better because now they go from Lockett and DK. Oh, we got Jackson Smith and Jigba. Shout out to the Buckeyes. That's three really good yeah. running back, or I mean receivers. And Kenneth Walker is a freaking animal. If Gino is anywhere close to what he was last year, dangerous team. They got a great compliment to Kenneth Walker, and I'm forgetting his name right now. But they have they have a two headed monster in the backfield. They just drafted a running back, and I can't remember his name right now. But Seahawks. you're right. They have the pieces. I don't know if Gino can do it again. I'm a little nervous because he came out of he, he, he went from a literal first round bust, like written yeah. off, but he didn't write back. Mm-hmm. And he had a great year last year. I think the team's even better. He's in a tough division because the 49ers are probably on paper the best team in the NFC. Yeah. But I will kind of throw out the Seahawks because the, the NFC side feels like it's wide open. Mm-hmm. Dare I say. <laughs> There I say I, – I, I just remember this one too because they're like one of the bottom eight odds on DraftKings, uh, the New York Giants. Hey, man, say it ain't so, but Daniel Jones may be my starting quarterback in one of my three leagues. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't hate it. The man hey, got Darren paid. Waller, man. Darren Waller. Man got paid. The talent, if, if, if they stay healthy, it's a big if. Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. They got some pieces on the defense. Kayvon Thibodeau. Year two. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have the pieces. It's just a tough division. Like, I don't know if they're gonna be able to put the the wins together to make the playoffs, but you do have three wild card spots. Pretty sure both of the Giants Super Bowls were when they were wild card teams. I don't know. At Never least forget one of them the helmet are. catch. Holy shit balls. Yeah. So there you go. There's some betting advice. So not advice, just betting not advice. Just <laughs> definitely not advice. We are in no yeah. place. Disclaimer, not advice. Yeah. Just saying it one more time. But my name is Noah Baker and it's Dominic Sleeve. We are but just two of the below average shows. We'll see you guys on Friday.